hello and welcome. It is Pet Chat. You've got your Pet Chat team here. It's ready to answer any questions. David's fired up the laptop. He's typing away because you keep a, you keep a record of all of the I, questions. Yeah, going back years, I've got them all. Cheryl, you can just tell he was an A plus plus student, wasn't he? <laughs> so studious. <laughs> We're going to go to Pete now in Thornton. Now, Pete, you've got a 13-year-old Kelpie and a little bit concerning with what's happening at the moment. Yes, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. No worries, Pete. So your Kelpie has uh, got some blood in the urine, is that right? Yes, I've noticed a few spots of blood or it's in a diluted form, of course. Yes. But um, otherwise, very healthy dog, not overweight, uh, gets plenty of exercise, Still got a great coat. Her eyes and ears are good, but um, yeah, just just this little problem that I've been noticing of late when we walk. So, how long, when you say of late, how long have you noticed it for? Uh, probably a month or so. Okay. Yep. Yep. And is it is it blood at the start of urination, during, or at the end? No. What it is, um, the first urination is pretty good. Because yep. once I've sort of noticed that I've um, sort of been taking, like paying attention to it. Yep. But then she's in the habit, I think she's been watching the male dogs and she likes to mark the territory as we walk and she tries to squeeze out a dozen weeds on our walks and it's just when she's sort of uh, probably strange to, you know, push a little bit more wee out. Yeah, okay. Now, and just one other question I've got for you. Where does she sleep at night? She sleeps in uh, sometimes inside if the weather's inclement, yep. otherwise there's a couple of locations she could choose to sleep in the garage on a bed, and she also has a bed out on the back porch. So whatever right. suits her, she's, she doesn't have a regular routine in that regard. And is she getting up during the night to go to the toilet? She used to spend um, lots of nights in the house. She was a house dog, and then she had a couple of accidents. Then I started getting up like through the night to let her out, Mm-hmm. And even that sort of um, not doing the trick now because we've still a couple of accidents have occurred. So that's why yeah. she's really only inside now during inclement weather and yeah. most of the other time she's outside for that reason. Yeah, that kind of helps me out thinking about what's going on and possibly, you know, her age is also a factor. But So the things I would be most concerned about is that she could have a bladder stone. Right. Um, and we do say there's quite a bit. But I would also yeah. be cautious in case she could have um, a tumour or cancer in, yep. in her um, urinary tract. Probably Given her age, I wasn't, wouldn't have been surprised that, you know, you're saying that. So Yeah, yeah. So usually what we would do, um, like she'll need to go see the vet for this and um, there's not much point in collecting a urine sample beforehand. I mean, it's not doesn't harm or anything, but it's just that... It's a contaminated sample, and the vet would probably yeah, want okay. a fresh sample. Um, yep. The other thing that often is involved is we would need to do some imaging, like ultrasound yep. uh, is, a, is a good technique for this sort of thing. And sometimes there are a few other kind of um, imaging things we can do, but ultimately best to get it checked with the vet. And hopefully, it, look, hopefully it's a bladder stone. Um, yep. It's much more treatable, but um, let's get it checked out, and then you can go from there. So a bladder stone, is that uh, a procedure would be, it's an operation procedure or maybe or is it just a, a tonic or a powder? Some, that yes, the stone? sometimes surgery, sometimes diet. 
it really depends on what the urine tests show and the size of it. So the vet will be able to give you that advice. Thank you so much for your call, Pete. We really appreciate it. Welcome to the show, Blair. Tell us what's going on with your cat. Yeah, I have a cat called Lucy and she's very overweight. Mm -hmm. Um, She gets half a cup of black hawk um, food a day, just a dry biscuit. Um, She smells like urine all the time and when she's getting on my bed at night or on my sheet, she's leaving, you know, dirty marks. Like she she can't actually lick her backside. So, okay. She's quite, she's quite chubby. She, how she how um how old is she? Sorry, Blair. How old? She, she's six. Okay. Yep. Um, and she's she doesn't like exercise. Like she's not a very active cat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But mm. I just don't know whether I should change her diet or. Have you had it to the vet about this problem? I have, and they tried a course of antibiotics, but that didn't do anything. So I haven't. I didn't go back. Yeah. So um, when we when we see, uh, is she definitely overweight on the scales? Oh yes. Yeah, How much? I think she'd be about eight or more kilos. Right. Okay. Well, first of all, let's get a weight and write it down so that we've got a record because you know if it changes going up or down, we're yep. going to need to know that. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is that we do see uh, some, you know, I mean that diet. If that's all she's getting, unless she's sourcing food elsewhere, that's certainly not excessive. Um, So we do see some metabolic diseases that can cause um, increased weight gain. And that Mm -hmm. could be that if we're retaining fluid, um, if we're... No, Sarah, you don't have... Oh, you bugger. You, you, I'm pointing to myself she was pointing saying to herself. I've got that. You've got, you got metabolic disease? Yeah, clearly. Feline metabolic disease. Oh, right, maybe not. Yeah, okay. So there are some metabolic diseases that can cause increased weight gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not, not that common in cats, but we do see them. So yep. that would be the other thing I'd want to check out. Um, mm-hmm. We also see, yeah, where they retain fluid. So sometimes the weight gain is actually fluid. And there's yep. a couple of conditions that can cause uh, fluid retention. Yep. Um, and usually a blood test and sometimes an ultrasound will give us a fair bit of that info. Um, mm-hmm. When we do a blood test for this sort of thing, we would always check the urine as well because yep. we want to just make sure that there's, um, you know, things like no, it wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be, say, an infection in the kidneys, but... You know, it could be. It just I wouldn't expect that to cause retained fluid. Uh, sorry, re, you know, weight gain. Um, yes. But yeah, there's a couple of things I'd be worried about, and I think blood tests and a urine test um, are really going to kind of send us in the right direction. You know, is okay. there a problem with um, protein levels? Is there a problem with the white blood cells? Is there a problem with the liver and kidney? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we do see, like the conditions that can cause that uh, diabetes and Cushing disease. And um, yep. that's really going to have to go to a blood test to find that out. So, Oh, Blair, good luck. So, yep. some, some good paths to follow to, to try to find out. But thank you so much for the call. We're going to go to Casey now in the Hunter Valley. Now, you've got a bearded dragon and a bit of a scaly infection around the mouth, you're thinking. Yeah, I do. I thought it may have been his um, 
shed, yeah, um, like leftover skin shed from last time because we've had him for just over a year now. So in that first year, he shed, you know, quite often every two or three weeks. But he slowed right down now. I think he's close to full size. Um, so I just assumed it was like his last bit of shed that was still hanging around his lip because it's been there for a couple of months now. And um, yeah, as I bathed him the other day, I rubbed it with a bit of cotton ball when it was wet and it came off, um, like as I soaked it and it came off. But it's since then, it's, that was about two weeks ago, since then it's came back and it's just in that same spot. Mm, mm. Yeah. I used to work with um, uh, reptiles quite a bit, but yep. I, have, I have to tell you, it's probably 20 years. Okay. Um, so we'll take this carefully. But we used to see a lot of um, pet reptiles, snakes in particular, and certainly bearded dragons, where uh, they get retained scales that, that then get a fungal infection. And okay. so, you know, you probably find um, you'll, you'll need to see a vet who's familiar with reptiles and uh, there is prescription medication. Okay, um, yeah. I have called one. I just got off the phone and then I heard your call for the radio, but um, they're not in until next Friday. So um, I'll call another one. Yeah. Um, there they, is... they had recommended another one where yeah. we are, yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's fair enough. Um, one of the things that you mentioned is like this timeline. It's been a couple of months and that's a, a particular thing that happens with reptiles. Now, metabolism is, um, you know, different times of the year precedes at different pace. So infections can be slow to develop, but also slow to resolve. Um, and a lot of these are treated with topical medication, like you said, you were bathing. So okay. sometimes it's, you know, we have to apply it directly. It's not like, oh, we've got to give them injections, although we do, but yeah. uh, a lot of these well, skin I'm... problems we treat like that. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I could put some salt water or anything on there. It was just normal filtered water um, boiled that I had put on there, like lukewarm. I think, that, yeah, salty water would be fine um, okay. to use, and it probably provides a little bit of an advantage over just filtered normal. water. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I think you're going to need something like an antifungal. Yeah. Casey, is your bearded dragon quite happy for you to uh, wash around the mouth? Is it she or he quite friendly? Yeah, he, um, well, we think it's a he, Barry, the beardy. Barry, um, that's awesome. <laughs> he, it's my son's bearded dragon, but he's at school. Um, yeah, he does love his bath. He loves to be held wow. and he does love his bath, yeah. So you'd recommend for a pet? Um, definitely, if you have the time, yes. Yeah. they're um, very cool. It's interesting because, as I said, we used to work in a practice where we saw lots of reptiles and um, they were very popular. Yeah. And they're, they're very easy to handle as well. Yeah, yeah he's fluoro orange. He's a beautiful um, dragon, yeah. That so is... he's a central. Yeah, yeah, with golden eyes. Yeah, That beautiful. is awesome. Well, thank you for, for calling the show and also bringing a little bit of um, oh, it's variety. variety. That's the word, variety <laughs> to the welcome. show. Good luck. We hope that you have Thanks, um, success with Barry the Bearded Dragon. Kathleen in Birmingham Gardens, welcome to the show. Tell us what's going on. Uh, well, I've got a, a lovely outdoor cat. Um, she was a rescue cat. And around about, uh, it was in October, she developed like a um, hair loss on the base of her tail. And I took her to the vet um, about it. And the vet gave her an injection that was both antibiotic and cortisone. And it, it gradually healed over and the hair grew back. Well, um, it's developed again, 
and um, it's right on the base of her tail and, you know, it's just hair loss. There's no, um, or there's slight amounts of um, where the skin has actually been, um, um, you know, like blistery, almost yep. like scabby. Yeah. But she, um, but I, I don't want to continue taking her to the vet for um, cortisone. Mm, mm. And I'm wondering if there's a home remedy. And I know that there's um, certain plants that cats are allergic to in the garden, like um, I think it's creeping ivy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's also called morning dew, which I'm doing a pretty, pretty um, well, it's winning at the moment, but trying to get rid of that in the garden. But yep. I had been, I have used betadine, um, but of course she licks it off. Yep, yep. I yeah, hold that's up a when I put it on until I know that it's actually got the surface and it's probably killed any mite or germ. So, but, um, yeah. is there something that I can do? What What have you used for flea control with her? Um, Brevecto. Excellent. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, just make sure that's up to date, first yep. of all. Yeah. Um, that that area. So she's female, you said. Female. Yeah. Yeah. We she's do. Sexed, but she's an outdoor cat. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So... And I was wondering if you know it's something in the environment, and she loves to roll in dirt and ants, and and then cleans herself vigorously. Yeah. You know. Um. That's... It's probably not anything in the environment, except like I just mentioned about making sure that we don't have flea con- flea problems and Brevecto is very effective and um, as I said just making sure that's up to date there is um, a condition in male cats that can get stud tail where there's a gland that sits there and it can actually cause hair loss possibly I, I've never seen it in a female but I'm wondering whether because she's desexed the relative sex hormones in the body the testosterone will now be you know more active but to be honest i've never seen it like that it's usually more uh parasite or uh, allergy related as you said now things like the um morning dew the creeping ivy stuff is a contact allergy so if you see that we generally see it on things like their mouth and their feet yeah well um, she's got she's completely happy completely fine it's just cosmetically she's got you know what i mean when you look at her but just this um, one area. Yeah. I can see. If, if it was a dog, I would have called it the mange. Yeah. So it is possible that certainly you could get mites cause mange, but the Brevecto is going to take care of that as well. So yeah. um, the other thing I do have seen, and I've worked with a veterinary dermatologist, and um, they opened my eyes to the way that sometimes we'll see different skin disease, particularly in cats, and we do see uh, skin lymphoma, which is a type of cancer, and sometimes that can cause patchy hair loss, um, and it's not predictable to one area. So that is another possibility. Um, The other thing would be, I'm just trying to think, as long as you don't have any other animals. Yeah, we have a dog. And does the dog lick at it, at the cat? No. No, okay. No. I know you said you're looking for a home remedy, but I would probably want to be talking to a veterinary dermatologist. So it might be something you need to talk to your vet about if they can give you a referral. And there are veterinary dermatologists who visit Newcastle or you can go to 
central coast um, with uh, with your cat to see a dermatologist. And that's if it was me, that's what I'd be doing. So. Okay. Thank you so much for the call, Kathleen, and the best of luck. Um, let's go to Mark now. Mark, uh, thank you for waiting. Welcome to the show. Now, you've got an eight-year-old border collie. Yeah, yeah. I've got a... She's a bit over eight. She's about eight and a half. And a couple of weeks ago, I heard you talking to Dr. Rob Jamin about breeders and that type of thing. And and our story was fairly lucky because our border collie recently had a cancer removed from, or well, a lump removed from an anal sac. And how it came about was we were contacted by the breeder. Um, mm. She was one of, one of six. And um, two, of the, two of the litter actually had cancer. One, one had one in the anal sac and the other one had it in the roof of the mouth. We were contacted by the, the breeder and said, look, it might be worth getting checked. So we got it checked and there was nothing. And about six weeks later, we had to have her vaccinations. And they actually found a lump in her anus. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and it was only small, but they got it. Um, it was about eight mil when they took it out. Um, mm. yep. And they, they said it's possible that it could grow back. Um, but they're, they're not too sure. They said that the possibilities are that they, they got all of it, but the, the margins were slightly less than what they would have preferred. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so uh, do they grow back? This one was benign, which was lucky, um, but can they grow back or um, is there anything that we, we... We will get her checked every two months. As, as advised. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they, I mean, as the vet has probably, you know, been a bit cautious and suggested that, they can. It depends on what the actual tumour is. There are different cell types. So usually in that area, there are what we call adenocarcinomas, um, yep. and which are glandular cells, and yep. um, they can be pretty nasty. Uh, yep. They can have effects on the rest of the body as well. Like oftentimes um, they can cause dogs to develop a high calcium level in the blood. Right. And that can have effect on things like the heart, the kidneys, um, muscle strength and things like that. So, yep. you know, that's another area that they might want to check out every once in a while. It's not something you'd, you know, you wouldn't run off and get a blood test done every month or anything. But um, no. It might be worth checking once a year or six monthly as well. Um, yeah. But certainly, just palpating is probably the best thing to do. But if they, you know, if they feel they've got some millimeters of clearance on the yep. edges, then that's in that area of the body. That's pretty good. Yeah. Because the thing is, if you do too wide an excision, like if you try to say, take, oh, let's get five millimeters. Yep. of clear tissue, then you actually can start to cause damage to the normal uh, anatomy. Muscles and that. Yep. Yeah, anatomy. And then the biggest problem with that area is after surgery, dogs end up with um, faecal incontinence. Yep. So, yep. you know, that's why they want to be a bit cautious. But um, I think regular checkups and, as I mentioned, maybe a blood test once a year or something just to make sure there's no calcium problems. Thank you, Mark. And how wonderful that it was picked up and that the breeder notified them that there could be that, some abnormalities. Yeah, I've never heard of anal gland tumours having a, a genetic familial link right, before. But okay. um, 
I've got a friend of mine who's a veterinary oncologist, so I might have a chat to her about that and see what she thinks. Interesting one for mm. you there, David. Uh, we're going to go to Kim now in Maitland. Welcome to the show, Kim. How can Dr. David Tabret help you today? Hi, David. Um, just a quick inquiry. I've got a little um, cavoodle that I've had dyspnexia. She's three and a half years old, and she has like a brown stain around her vagina, but she gets a lot of male attention like she's not dyspnexia. Mm. Um, I do have another dog that's only six months older who was also defects and has no stain and no attention. So I, I just wasn't sure whether maybe she wasn't defects correctly or... How long ago was she desexed? Oh, uh, when she was about six Back, months. Yeah, okay, so three years ago. Yeah. Um, and have you noticed any cycle happening? Has she had any bleeding episodes on a regular basis? No, 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 no bleeding, no. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. A couple of things could happen. Um, first of all, that the attention arises because dogs um, will have changes in pheromones, which is volatile hormones. And um, these are excreted in various ways, some through the skin, some through the urine, and some through the breath, that sort of thing. So... Under the influence of uh, the different sex hormones, you will get that kind of signal being put out. Dogs obviously are very attuned to this. Uh, now, that's one possibility. And you'd say, well, hang on, she's de-sex. Why are there sex hormones there? But in the body, there are various sites where uh, the sex hormones are created. And so both male and female will have a number of areas. But predominantly, obviously... In the female, the uh, major sex organ is the ovary, and that's the major production of um, estrogen during their cycle that would provide the, um, you know, the attraction. But it, it can still be happening from somewhere else in the body as well. Now, the other possibility is, like you suggested, you know, maybe she wasn't desexed properly. Could, could be. That's a possibility. And you don't have to have a normal cycle, and sometimes... I've seen dogs that have like had a kind of a weird, you know, discharge that happens once every 18 months and we find out they do actually have a, a remnant. It's a, it's called ovarian remnant syndrome. Um, they're a bloody difficult surgery, I've got to tell you. Oh. Because, um, you know, there might have just been part of the ovary was just a little bit was left behind and it might only be a few okay. cells. Um, yeah. So that's one possibility. But also dogs that do get urinary tract infections or they have really concentrated urine will have a more stronger odour that could mimic or at least attract some of the dogs. So I think it's worth getting a checkup. The problem is if it's ovarian remnant syndrome, it can be a little bit hard to diagnose um, unless they're in the middle of a cycle type thing. So, no, okay. I think she does um, tend to... Market territory a lot, lifts yeah. the back egg backs up to a tree, even though she's a female. So. so yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier in one of the other calls is that you can actually get once they're desexed, suddenly there's a seems like there's a bit more testosterone yeah. in the body, um, yeah. and so that can change some of that behaviour, and that could also be something that is attracting the dogs. Mm. So oh, okay. I'd want to make okay. sure she hasn't got a urinary tract infection. That's the first thing. Okay, all right, all I right. I'll no worries. Thanks, okay. Kim. Thank you very Thanks much for the, for the call. call. Uh, that was an interesting one. Let's go to Russell in Morpeth. Welcome to Pet Chat, Russell. How can we help you today? 
Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I've got a male golden retriever. He's only four months old at the moment. Yep. Now, I've been told by the breeder he's not supposed to be de-sexed under 12 months because he needs some essential hormones. But, like, if I go to the council, it's supposed to be registered by six months. They're going to charge me triple, you know, if he's not de-sexed. So what are your views on that, really? Oh, that's a good one. So there is a... um allowance under the law for if you have a vet who will write, um, you know, a, a certificate or a statement to say that desexing has been delayed for medical yeah. reasons. Um, yeah. So the you can get that. Now... Is that hard to get, David? Like, is that something well, that's written readily or...? I know that I know that they are written quite a bit. Okay. I don't know exactly, you know, how many hoops you've got to jump through. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but on the other hand, this brings up the question of well, why wouldn't you desex earlier? Why do you desex later? Yes. And this is look, this has been a debate that's been going on for I'd say how long have I been a vet? Well, longer than that. Fifty years. <laughs> Sarah's. Uh, if only you could see the look I'm getting, Russell. She's treading the line today. <laughs> Um, but anyway, what I'm saying is that it's controversial, okay? So it's gone back and forth over the years, and, and certainly we do know that in some dogs that are prone to things like osteochondrosis, which is a type of uh, uh, cartilage problem in their joints, and, um, you know, maybe that's the the reason the breeders talked about this, is that to help their joints, and that's really one of the bigger issues that people point to. Um, then in those dogs, it seems that later desexing seems to provide some protective effect against that um, joint disease developing later. It won't completely eliminate the risk, but maybe it provides some uh, protective effect. So to get around for your question is um, you would need to speak to a vet who is um, considering or allows you to make that request to say, you know, this, I uh, want to delay this for these reasons. Um, and I'm not sure exactly, you might just have to ring up your vet and say, is this something that you've done before and so on. But most vets would be able to kind of sit down and talk to you about what's going on. Um, and so, as I said, I don't think it's an out there kind of idea to delay desexing. Uh, that's the That's the issue. Okay. Like oh, it is a thing. Right. So it's worth having a chat to your vet, but that's how... You can't just rock up to council and say, no, I'm not going to do it because, you know, someone told me not to. You have to get a certificate. Well, thank you very much for your help. No worries. Good on you, Russell. Thank you for calling, thank Russell. You. That was an interesting one. I, I'm assuming a lot of people wouldn't um, know that either and a lot of people probably would just go, oh, okay, I just have to pay the extra. Well, yeah, but the thing is if what what they're trying to do is we overall, the younger that we desex animals, the less we'll have excess animals going through pounds and things like that. Correct. So if we, we can desex them before their breeding age, and that's really a, an overall benefit. Yeah. But this is where that controversy comes in. It's like, well, actually, you know, for this breed... So there are certain types of breeds yes. that it certainly... Research shows that it is better to, to hold off. Um, well, to... I don't know how definitive that is. Okay. But it, I think it's certainly a question, and there is an, an allowance for that. 
yeah. within the law that you can get that certificate. Yeah, it seems to be a lot of the, the larger breeds like your yes. Great Danes and your Mastiffs that, okay. that they're holding off on. And it's been a real trend again, as you were saying, David, you know, you've got some vets that are for it and some that are against. But certainly breeders are tending to push, um, you know, not having your dog desexed early. But but like um, Russell, you know, they fall into that, um, you know, can, yeah. can get a fine from council if their dog isn't registered or have to pay that higher amount of money. I'm so glad he rang now when the dog's four months of age because you don't want to be doing it at 10 months. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to go and have that argument Absolutely. with council. Absolutely, yeah. Like if he, he gets on top of it, you know, he could get that problem fixed up. Because it's showing that you're responsible and that it will be de-sexed. That's right. Um, yeah. Just there's legitimate reasons why you're holding on. That's right, yes. yeah. There yeah. you go. Well, look, thank you for uh, bringing that to our attention, Russell. I think that is it. How are you feeling after that, David? You've had a good look, chat today. Look, I'm in the scrubs. You I'm are ready. The, have you come from surgery? I've been there, yeah. Wow. Successful? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of I, course. I promised Mark Rourke I'd, um, you know, if he needed a procedure, oh, gosh. I'd sort him out. Oh, well. Lucky know. he's gone to lunch. He, yeah. He, he, he declined the offer. I don't know who I feel most sorry for there. <laughs> look, that's it for us today. Cheryl Shaw, thank you very My much. My pleasure. David Tabret, thank you. Cheers. That's Pet Chat. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.